It's Cofield and Company. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to Friday. Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Weekend, Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Party and party and party and party and with Cofield here on the Finley Toyota Studios. Oh, man. I am mentally discombobulated. Thanks to Battleborn Injury Lawyers for being a big part of the show, but also sponsoring our Reno Hour. Four to five, we're on in Reno. 766-1400 is the number. I seriously forgot the number, Candy. And I say it every day. I crap you not. I was being a bit dramatic about how excited I was that we potentially have a clash of the Titans maybe next year in the hot dog eating contest, but I got so worked up that I forgot the number. If any of you think this is a bit, I'm here to tell you it is not not. a bit. The man cares about competitive eating like no one else I've ever met in this world. I compare or I, or I care about the best facing the best, and I don't want to see anything get in the way of that. Uh, that's what frustrated me for a long time in boxing. Like, we should have had three Pac-Man Mayweather fights while they were in their prime, right? And how many other matches did we not get in boxing? And now, you know, Dana White has gotten and his bosses have gotten a little stingier, ESPN alongside, with some of the money and payouts. So you see some of the big stars of UFC not stay around. We don't get all the fights we're supposed to get, right? And this is from Dana White who said boxing, you know, back in the early 2000s, they suck. I took their blueprint and I tore it up because he said he would never do stuff like that. But money changes things. And anyway, um, Molly Schuyler was on with us, a great competitive eater. I think she's the number one or two female competitive eater in the world. I love the hot dog eating contest. Uh, by the way, I was not lying about that story. That is not something I fabricated. That story about the frozen TV on the reversal with Kobayashi, that actually did happen. Um, oddly enough, uh, that woman didn't stay with me. I don't know why. Um, but I love it. I love it. I get into it. I think it's great. I think the, the whole feat of eating that much food, and especially as a fatso, I'm, I'm not a volume eater or a speed eater. Like These people actually over the years, Candy, are more like you. They're in shape. They're in shape. So what they do is incredible, and we uh, we gave the spotlight to some of the people outside the MLE. Mickey Sudo, I I think she's like a minus five thousand favorite on Tuesday in the women's competition, and Chestnut's like minus fifteen hundred, something like that. So there are other people out there who could challenge, can make this a more competitive event. Shea Brothers, come on now. But Molly was very understanding on the whole contract thing. So I get it. I get it. They've got a tour. It, I mean, it really. It's funny. About six or seven years ago, we always talked about the theme around the hot dog eating contest as it being a little exclusionary, and it was like the fight game, and we were being denied some of the big battles. Um, it is very much like a fight promotion. Like, hey, there's you know star fighters outside your promotion, but they don't work with Aram or King you know, or Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy, so they might not be able to make a match. Same thing. Same exact thing, especially in terms of athletic level. Same exact thing, Candy. And... What I took away from that conversation was that Molly can probably make a better living 
yep. out there doing it her way than to be locked into MLE. And in that case, man, I might post up in the parking lot outside the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest and get in touch with the people from Ballpark Franks and be like, hey, right you know there. what? We're going to run a little sideshow right over here. And I'm going to eat more than anyone who does it up on the stage in Coney Island. I know I'm crazy on this, and I'll, and I'll move on. I think by now the audience is coming to expect that we are going to chat about this uh, each and every year. Um, but it is kind of it is incredible, the, the numbers they put up uh, and the drama that we find in this whole freaking thing. I was trying to look back at la- – I mean, so here's last year's women's competition – well, let me start here. Uh, first of all, you, you just had Molly say she did 53 and a half hot dogs, a little bit smaller than the Nathan's. She did 53 and a half in 10 minutes. The world record is 48 and a half in 10 minutes. Uh, Mickey Sudo did 40 last year. The second best eater did 26. And Molly could certainly do more than that. And Raina Wong, who we had on, on Wednesday, who's really a big hit for her one-bite sausage and her one-bite hot dogs, but also – all of the uh, Asian fare that she, I mean, she just does, it's like freaking, I don't even know, it's like seven pounds of pho and, you know, 10-pound burritos. It's, it's crazy. Uh, she told us that she was doing a contest in San Diego this weekend, and she expected in a five-minute contest to do about 20. So, you know, if you kind of stretch that out, little fatigue, she could probably do 30 or 35. So clearly, you know, they're the next two best hot dog-eating women are the two that we talked to this week. So, And we love Mickey. She's great. And her husband, Nick, has been on before. So no disrespect, but we just want to see great competition. Right, Candy? It's intense stuff. Oh, we absolutely want to see the best against the best. And, and that brings up a question for me, Cofield. Have you ever dunked a hot dog bun in water yeah. and jammed the whole thing down? Um, I've tried it. I love these athletes so much. I've tried it. It's not easy, man. Soggy, wet bread. And li- listen, you're, you're talking to someone who is very willing to eat damaged food. Very willing. I saw, I saw a game show that uh, Molly was on, and they were having her eat. It was like a pound of macaroni salad, a pound of coleslaw, and a pound, I can't remember, maybe it was potato salad, right? But all stuffed in one bowl. And everyone on the panel was like, oh my God, I can't believe that. I'm like, I would eat that. I don't care. That sounds good. Well, I mean, all together, it freaks people out. I don't care. You, oh. my, I have, I'm not going to say dozens. I have an ongoing system. The SO is like, what the hell is going on in our fridge? I have an ongoing system of leftovers. It's just, they're just there in Tupperware. Like all organized, front to back. Let's go. I know, I know when I ate, when we first got it. I, I know when I first made it. Let's go. So to your point about I, a hot dog dipped in water with the bun. I mean, it's not the most appetizing thing, but I would do it. Could, now, could I do freaking even five in 10 minutes probably not what these people do is nuts i'm i'm feeling it's 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 after five on friday i'm feeling a little bit loose i i want to share something with you it's just the two of us right oh yeah okay get the dump button button ready we we already (sighs) got we already got into the sadomasochistic uh bobby manfred adam candy no 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 that's that's about his guttural moans that's about pleasure (laughs) this is about shame uh so shame for me is that in a restaurant yeah when someone gets up and leaves and i look over and there's something like nachos this happens to me in stadiums too oh wow and i look and i'm like half of those helmet nachos are still sitting right there 
And a, a food like nachos, clearly your hand has only touched the part of the food that you have consumed, right? It's mm -hmm. not like you've gone in and, and licked every chip and put it back in the bowl. Why can't I have it? I feel like it should be more socially acceptable to eat food that people have left behind. Because often, I've ordered one dish at a restaurant, but I want to try more things. I want to know what else is good there, right? Like, if you've left half of your sandwich, and that was the other thing I wanted to order, yeah. why is it that I can't take that sandwich? That sandwich has been left unclaimed. If we walked outside of the restaurant, and that sandwich were sitting there up on a ledge, as sandwiches often do, that I could have that sandwich. Why is it that in the restaurant I can't take it? Why is it that I might get kicked out of the restaurant if I take somebody else's food? All that I'm doing is saving you the trouble of having to clean up the plate. These are great questions. I haven't really thought about that one. That is a mic drop. I saw you drop your mic for a second there. That's, a, that's a crazy one. Um, along the same lines of great questions. Mm. Why aren't the Lakers forming a big three? Uh, instead, they've now added uh, Torian Prince and Gabe Vincent. I didn't have a segue for that. I just tried. Uh, but that's, I liked it. that's the direction the Lakers have gone in. And I got to tell you, I like it. Because it signals that the gm is being done by a GM and not LeBron James. Or maybe... I think everything's run by LeBron James, run by him, not the organization is run by him, but they run everything by him. Maybe LeBron, after last year, finally started to get it with the emergence of guys like Austin Reeves and the addition of Vanderbilt that, you know, as you get older, LeBron, the, the true whoopee, that security blanket, doesn't have to be another guy making $40 million a year, so... Screw getting a guy like Kyrie Irving. Let's get good supporting pieces. I like what's happened today with the Lakers. Nice job. Gabe Vincent is a very intriguing player. Gabe Vincent hit 51 threes for the Heat in the playoffs this year, stepping up with Tyler Hero out. And according to stats and info, third most ever by a Heat player in the playoffs. And it's not about the record. It's about the fact that what this team has always been about is needing spacing and shooting around LeBron and AD. That's it. I, I realize Le that LeBron is not going to spend as much time driving as he has in the past. He takes full possessions off offensively where you see him post up in the corner and just wait for somebody else to do things. And that's the bargain you have to make with LeBron James at his age. But what's wrong with a Gabe Vincent at three years and 33 million? I like it. All the NBA talking heads on Twitter are saying, well, Gabe Vincent's inconsistent. Laker fans are going to get frustrated with him. He's more talented than most of what they have in that backcourt. Now, we'll see what they do with Austin Reeves. We'll see what they do with Rui Hachimura. The word is out there they're going to match any offer that comes for both of them. And I like that because when we talk about a, a big three, I'm going to say Rui Hachimura is on the level of LeBron James or Anthony Davis, but he had his moments where he stepped up and gave you that kind of performance, and so did Austin Reeves. I, if you can manage LeBron and Anthony Davis's health, through the regular season to mm -hmm. keep the Lakers from being in the play and having to play the three best teams to get through the playoffs, it's not impossible. Yeah, Prince last year, also a pretty good shooter, 38%, made over 73s on the season. So that's another guy who can 3 and D, and the 3 is the shooting part of it. So that's a good thing. I like the day the Lakers have had. Uh, if you missed it, Draymond Green is going back to the Warriors' four-year deal 
$400 million. Before the end of the hour, we'll get another roundup of everything that's happened today. It's mostly guys returning. And the numbers I saw, by the way, on Reeves is that he's been offered four years and 52 mil by the Lakers, which there could be some teams out there that are crazy enough to go, yeah. you know, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that's that, not I, enough. I think the Lakers, well, but I do think the Lakers had to be competitive but not go freaking crazy because there is something with Austin Reeves that has me a little bit scared and it goes back to uh, one of the great players by the way now in Taiwan the leading scorer in the Taiwanese league uh, the third leading scorer is Anthony Bennett the leading scorer in the Taiwanese league is Jeremy Lin so I always always fear with the guys who have a bust out year as a young dude and weren't drafted um, that you get another Lin Sanity case where maybe it was just a hot run Right place, right whoa, time. Whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, uh -oh. hey. Uh -oh. You you go after Lynn Sanity, and we are not going to have any more commercial breaks <laughs> in this show. I have 47 more minutes of how Mello killed Lynn Sanity, and I will okay. never forgive him for it. All right, all right. But I think we have sponsors. No. Um, well, they can wait. Um, so, this was a big day for, interesting day for San Diego State. They gave the Mountain West Conference or sent him a letter it was taken different than what the intent was. The intent was, hey, Mountain West Conference, I know our deadline to tell you we're leaving is June 30th, and we know that if we do it after that, it, our exit fee is going to go from 17 to $34 million. Pretty please? Can you give us an extra month? And Gloria Navarez, the commish of the Mountain West Conference and the presidents, you know, the, the, uh, the commissioners work for the presidents, Told San Diego State, uh, no, we're taking this letter as your announcement that you're leaving. So we've been waiting three weeks to see if the Pac-12 will come up with something, a real invite and an announcement of the TV deal. It didn't happen, Candy. So then San Diego State's in this limbo. They're like, okay, do we just leave this year? And then we're, we're an independent two years from now? And then we also have no leverage. I also I, Actually, I don't think this changes anything. They announced today that – San Diego State announced that they're going to come back to the conference or remain in the conference for at least another year. I, I guess in the next six months, maybe they get a great invite. They have so much money they could pay the $34 million. But they put themselves in a really weird position. And it's funny. We had Bernie Wilson on. AP writers covered San Diego forever. And he said, man, that this it's been different ownership, ownership, leadership at San Diego State, but they've repeated the same mistake multiple times where they jumped the gun I don't know what it is. It, I mean, I think a lot of it's arrogance. When you see it with with San Diego State in basketball, I don't know. I don't know if you were on at the time or you saw the story when the Mountain West Conference tournament started for men's basketball. I think it was Dutcher and others at San Diego State had Mark Ziegler, the writer for the UT. They had him float a story about, hey, you know that Gonzaga set up in the West Coast Conference where the top team at a minimum gets like a crazy bye to the semis or maybe straight to the final? San Diego State was floating that via Ziegler. And I read it. I was like, who do these people think they are? Now, as it turned out, they went to the national championship game. But that doesn't mean you're Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference. There's just There's been this – disrespect by San Diego State for the conference they're in and the the chess puffed out believing that they're truly a power five school and I mean right now in this recent zone of basketball they have been I mean they certainly weren't before Fisher and Dutch were on board their football program is good it's not it's not it's not what Boise has been and Boise's not what Boise has been 
But I think all of this going back to when they tried to leave for the Big East and they prematurely did it and had to crawl back. There is an arrogance around that school, and I don't get it. The arrogance was clear in trying to drag along with the coattails of Boise State and leave for the Big East way back when, but I don't think this was arrogance, Cofield. I think this was desperation. I think this was San Diego State, especially at the time of the Mountain West Tournament, looking at it and realizing this is our chance. This is our one shot to get out, and we got to make sure we look good this year. we got to make sure that we don't end up as a nine seed because we somehow managed to lose to Air Force 55-50 to in the first round of the tournament. They wanted to make sure that they look good, and they went above and beyond yeah. in March Madness in looking good, and they played everything right all the way up until the point where they trusted the Pac-12. <laughs> and trusting the Pac-12 yeah. was a fool's errand right from the beginning, and that might be desperation that led to hubris and then arrogance in the end had to be shoved right back down their own throats yep. like a Kobayashi dog and that- when they decided, found out that there was no media rights deal and they were not getting a break. It was almost like they went to the Mountain West Conference and was like, hey, um, I know we're engaged and we're getting married next month, but um, about that threesome that we discussed, would you be cool with that? Like, <laughs> would you mind if we would you mind if we and, and then the conference came back? I was like. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. And oh, by the way, if you want a threesome, you can leave. Ooh. And Cindy was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, baby, baby, baby. No, 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 no. I love you. I always loved you. I always wanted to be with you. It's just, you know, we, we talked about that thing where I might go and get a little something, you know, a little something more interesting, right? No, they had to come back crawling to the Mountain West. And now I don't believe they can unwind what has happened from this standpoint, and it's, and it's really one of the most important things, it's their leverage with a Power 5 when the Power 5 conference comes calling because they look weak. You look weak. So there is a chance the Pac-12 or the Big 12 could do what the Big 10 did repeatedly. I don't think people, and I try to bring this up every once in a while, I don't think people realize that when schools go and bump up to a power five, oftentimes when they walk into the conference candy, like the Big Ten, right? Hey, every school's getting a payout of $77 million for the fiscal year. Oh, oh no, these three schools, they have to graduate to that level. Um, You'll potentially be there in five years. So... It's never told in the story of Nebraska and Rutgers and Maryland. When they came into the Big Ten, and Nebraska was a little bit before the other two, they were on a graduating scale. So they came limping into the conference. So if the conference payout was, you know, 55 mil per school, all right, Nebraska year one, here's 17 million. Oh, you're not happy with that? F off. Then you're not in the conference. And San Diego State is now in a position where, hey, the, the existing Pac-12 schools, if they all stay around, that's worth something. And the rest of the Pac-12 schools could be like, oh, okay, George Klyavkov, you just announced that each school is going to get $42 million. Okay, well, we'll invite San Diego State, but um, they can get the 42 after the first three years in the conference. And year one, uh, we'll give them 14. And what's San Diego State going to do? Now, now with the position they're in, right? 
They have to take unless it. Unless they really – well, unless they think the Big 12 is a real option, which right. this year it didn't really look like. Right? The Big 12 didn't come calling for San Diego State. It's obvious by the timing of how this all played out that it all had to do with the Pac-12. Yeah, you can make a case that there's still something valuable with the Pac-12 there. I, I, I don't think that it would take this long to come up with a viable media deal if there were truly that level of interest right. in the Pac-12, but there's more interest in it than there is in the Mountain West. Oh, yeah. No, it's a jump up. It's a jump up. A Big 12 absolutely has leverage. You know, the schools that are there, I'm sure, are going to freaking. Yeah, I have to I have to look at the deal they cut with Central Florida and Cincy and BYU. And uh, who am I blanking on? Oh, Houston to see if they get the full share right off the bat. I'll I'll go back to uh, Maryland and Rutgers. When you go into a conference, Candy, and you can't keep up with the Joneses money-wise, that money is a gigantic difference. And it's funny how in that conference, like, you know, Indiana fans, Iowa fans will puff out their chest and like, those schools suck. Their programs are terrible. You have triple the freaking payout each year. That's kind of a big deal. Um, as of two years ago, this is what was happening to Maryland and Rutgers. They didn't have enough money to keep up with the Joneses. But guess what? You have to spend the money to improve your facilities, to get players. It's all this evil cycle, right? So then... I had someone mention this to me the other day when I described what was going on. They're like, this sounds like a Ponzi scheme. You're in a conference. Here's a limited payout. And, oh, to make up for the limited payout, you know what we'll do? We'll loan you money. We'll help you by loaning you money. So as of 2020, uh, Maryland owed the Big Big Ten. I mean, they're supposed to be getting money. Because they needed so much money up front to make up for the difference, they owed them $180 million. Rutgers owned them, owed them uh, $48 million. By the way, Rutgers will get their full share. They joined the conference in 2014 because of the loans they had to take. They will get their full share in 2028. No, no I'm, not, I'm not making this up. So when you see schools are like, man, they're, boy, they entered this new conference. They're not winning. Yeah, well, well that, that money gap is massive. And, of course, then we see it here in the Mountain West Conference when, you know, you're trying to compete for players and NIL and, you know, you're getting $6 million from your conference and you're going to play Michigan in the case of UNLV and Michigan's payout could be $85 million. Listen, Michigan already has a lot of things in place and it's a great program. They have a massive gap on the Rebel Sports, but that's tough to make up that money gap when it could be payout of $85 million a year to six. Keep it locked right here. Cofield and Company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. 98-81, aces over the Liberty. 98-81, and one now on the season. The Liberty are expected to be the team that really competes with Las Vegas for the WNBA title. That was impressive, Candy. Very impressive. Which court are you in? I am in the court of I like Goliath. I will root for Goliath. I think it's good for leagues to have a team that is dominant and that everyone can dislike. Uh, Adam Hill on our show hates it and says the regular season is an absolute waste of time the rest of the way in the WNBA. No one felt that way about the 1990-91 running Rebels, which was the last time you had this dominant of a team running through Vegas. You know what's funny about that? I think Uh, it's fun. Adam said it was that way with the Rebels. Oh, oh, that was not to the point where no one was interested. Stop. That's ridiculous. 
it was they were playing in a weak conference. Yeah, I get it, but it was fun to watch. Yeah, I know there was a national headline call off the tournament. Yeah, well, you saw how that ended. I mean, it, but still a lot of fun on the ride. Yes. And we've seen the same thing unfold with Gonzaga. People are certainly interested in Gonzaga to see what they do in the regular season, what kind of seed they get, and then everyone roots against them in the playoffs. So uh, Goliath on any level, whether it's a mid-major in college basketball or in major league sports, is a good thing for the league. By the way, we cut you off. You were gonna. I know you had another comment uh, on San Diego State and conference realignment and the monies and the, the gaps. If I told you, Cofield, that I remembered what that was after our oh, no. six-minute break, oh, no. I have absolutely no idea. Damn, so rest assured, it wasn't that important. I was going to prompt you like a minute after to remember because I was going to get back to it. because we, we No, we no, 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 no. Listen, I already started thinking about what restaurant food I can steal tonight. There you go. <laughs> All right, on the way back, we do have to get to Candy. I mean, he's an expert on lots of things, but he's really good on sports gambling and We've got a little bit of time to get into what's going on with the NFL and these gambling suspensions because two media guys who are attorneys uh, threw out questions about the legality of what the NFL is doing with its suspensions. And, man, there was a rain of shame and pain that came their way on social media. We'll talk about the reactions of both Mike Florio and Dr. Clay Travis. Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to lvsportsnetwork.com and go to podcasts to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on here on a Friday, getting ready for kind of the 4th of July weekend, but I know a lot of people aren't going to get Monday off, so... uh, That big day is coming up in just a couple. Busy weekend in sports. Adam Candy is here. Of course, he is the company today, and Ari is helping out running the show here in the Finley Toyota studio. So NFL gambling suspensions, another wave comes down yesterday, Candy. You work for LegalSportsReport.com, so you're all over stuff like this. What do you think of the latest suspensions, and especially the stuff that involves – Players gambling on other sports, but they've been tracked in their own football facilities. There's so much that people don't understand about this that it feels like you have to start from the top and say it is not legal for players to gamble on their own sport. I shouldn't say legal. It is not allowed within their own, the NFL for players to gamble on their own sport. And that seems pretty obvious, but yet, Here we are with a handful of players who got popped for betting on legal sports betting apps. Whether they decided to bet on the NFL, some of them bet on their own team. One bet that Isaiah Rogers placed was particularly troubling, according to ESPN. Uh, That was a $1,000 bet on a rushing prop having to do with one of the running backs on his own team. That's, That's dicey. Now we're really into the inside information kind of stuff when we start talking about that and we'll we'll get to your buddies florio and clay travis in a minute but what really gets me going is the suspensions that came down for guys like jameson williams and nicholas petit friere from the titans because these guys got popped for doing nothing wrong nothing jameson williams gets a six game suspension from the league why was he betting on the nfl nope betting on his own team nope Betting on an unrelated sport. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't seem like a problem, does it? 
Well, why did he get a six-game suspension? Because he was, quote, at a team facility. And according to one Detroit Lions beat writer, that team facility was the hotel when they were on the road for a game. Ooh. If you think that the NFL should be stopping players from betting on other sports in the hotel, doing something that is legal, doing something that you're making millions off of, promoting it to everyone, you can't get away from the sportsbook ads. And you think that these young, rich players who are the target demographic for every sportsbook, you don't think they should be allowed to bet on curling. They shouldn't be allowed to bet on the hot dog contest. They shouldn't be allowed to bet on the NBA. Hmm. It's ridiculous. It sets a horrible, horrible hypocritical precedent. Obviously, you cannot bet on your own sport. And if you bet on the NFL, you should get the hammer as hard as possible. But guys who get popped for betting on unrelated things is completely hypocritical and ridiculous. Clay Travis, an attorney, well, he has a law degree, uh, had some questions on this. I knew, and you probably did as well, and I'm far from a tech savant. Some states allow sports gambling and some states do not. And therefore, there is a geolocation targeting. If I am in Tennessee and I cross into Alabama or Georgia, I can't bet on sports in those two states from my phone. I didn't know that the sports gambling companies had the ability to geotarget to such an extent that they knew where exactly you place the bet from in your state. You know, it's weird. I didn't know when I use Google Maps or Waze that they know where I am at every moment. Wait, I, the way I'm driving. Okay, they are tracking me the whole time. Okay. Didn't know that they could narrow it down to a specific location. Keep going. And it starts to raise, I think, some really difficult and interesting questions about privacy about who is monitoring all of the NFL players, about how they're being turned in, and about the cost associated with this. Six-game suspension is a lot of money, and I think all sorts of legal complexities are associated with it. I haven't heard very many people asking about it. Okay. We, uh, we talk about this stuff all the time, but you know we're not a national show. We're also in Vegas, so it's kind of our cup of tea, and Candy addresses all this stuff with his cohorts on LegalSportsReport.com. Um, I, I will throw out questions a lot of times that I don't exactly know the answer to. I generally will follow up with our legal folks and sportsbook people on questions like this. Yeah, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. But there is a rawness to Doc Travis, and uh, his audience loves it. So keep going. Candy? You just you look befuddled. I- I do not believe that I can adequately address Juris Dr. Clay Travis uh, and what has to be willful ignorance uh, of how the modern world works. I I would love to know how he thought if it is. He knows it's legal in Tennessee, but not legal in Georgia or Alabama. How exactly did he think that it was being discovered whether you were in one of those states? But we'll leave that. Not the exact location. Like they don't know that you're on route. You know, 37 or, mm. uh, you know, whatever, Hillbilly mm-hmm. Road. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just it starts to raise really. In- no, the questions are not interesting. Uh, and and they're, 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 that the reason they're not being asked oh, is, boy. one, because yeah. they're not interesting. And two, because they are answered by anyone with a pulse without having to blink. So beyond that, uh, 
the questions that he has about intrusions on privacy, you you opt in to using the sports book. You agree to the terms and conditions, which are that you are not allowed to use the sports book unless you agree to have your location tracked, whether you are Jameson Williams, Isaiah Rogers, Steve Cofield, or Adam Candy. That's how it works. You made a choice. The government is not intruding on you. They are not, they don't have cameras on the corners trying to find out if you're gambling on sports, and neither does Roger Goodell. You voluntarily chose to participate in an activity that says you are being tracked as to where you are in order to do this. It's stupid if you get popped betting on your own team doing this from the team facility. But you knew what you were doing, at least in terms of that. Oh, man. Terms and conditions. I gotta read that. Just check mark and let's move. That's a process is too long. Let's get moving. All right. Uh, Mad Dog Russo had some comments on this because he's very frustrated at what he thinks is a, uh, a double standard, a money grab, and uh, he'd actually like the NFL. You know what? Let's clear this whole thing up and get the hell out of business with the sports books. You got, what, you got about $9 billion a year coming to you from television, from Amazon and ESPN and NBC and Fox and CBS? What do you got, about $9 billion, $2 billion a piece, roughly $2.5 billion a piece? $9 billion just from TV alone, for crying out loud. But here it is. We're going to make sure that our guys get suspended for years and are out of the NFL. But you go out there and you support our team. Bet in the stadium. We don't care. Bet on your phone. Bet, 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 bet. All right. There you go. Bet, 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 bet. You know what? Maybe Dog has a point. And, and if we're going to do things this way, here's how I propose that we do it. I think the NFL... That's fine. You, you can count the NFL's money and saying, okay, you know what? They've got $9 billion. $9 billion is enough. And then we're going to do it with you, dog. We're going to count how much money is Chris Russo making? How much money is, is the mad dog? Get? That satellite deal had to be pretty good, right? He's probably getting a couple million a year to be on first take, right? Is that enough? Is that, you know what? I don't think Chris Russo should get any more deals. I think he should be done. No more money for Chris Russo because he has enough money. That's it. No more. F- no more for dog. It's only fair. <laughs> uh, giveaway time. Last giveaway of the week. Alice in Chains is coming to town October 10th. Tickets went on sale yesterday. Go grab them if you don't win these at Ticketmaster.com. The show is October 10th. Planet Hollywood, 364-1100. Caller 7, two tickets to see Alice in Chains. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Ari Produces. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. or at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. I don't want to make light of this whatsoever. But there comes a point. What are we going to do next? Close down Broadway? Close down every main street in America at, th- uh, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon? Make sure all restaurants are closed? Cancel Indian Wells tournaments? Cancel the Ivy League tournament? I know we have to be careful, but you can't be panicky. You know, running to the Costco's and buying every hand sanitizer known to man and leaving nothing left for anybody else. We panicky Americans are running to the nearest Costco to clean them out. There you go. One of the last great Mad Dog Russo rants. That was on March 11th. God, the vast sound crew, you guys are great. Thank you so much for keeping all these old bites on a flashback Friday. 
That was March 11th, 2020, when uh, Chris Russo, with COVID arriving, was like, this can't happen. It happened. It happened. It happened. And he just flipped out about NFL suspensions and the hypocrisy and taking money on one hand, the owners are and the league is, and then suspending players for betting on other sports while at the team hotel. That's a revelation. I thought it was just a team facility. Wow. Okay. I think there needs to be more clarity for the players on where the hell they can bet and what they can bet on. And the simple answer is not, don't bet at all. Well, I mean, I think that's infringing on a little too much, is it not, Candy? If you say don't bet at all, you're ignoring the fact that before there were these apps where you could track where they were betting, they've been betting Mm -hmm. for a very long time. Either they've had bookies or they're betting with each other or they're betting with the trainer or you've got Michael Jordan betting on which bag's going to come off first from the carousel. It's been going on. This is just us finding out because it's happening to guys who in a lot of cases think they are doing something innocent. Now I'm not going to say that about Isaiah Rogers betting on a Colts rushing prop on his own team. That doesn't feel as innocent, but when it comes to a guy like Jameson Williams, and I don't care whether it was the team hotel, the team plane, the team bus, by the way, all of those are banned locations. I don't care if he got popped for any of those, let's say betting on a college football game because It is an otherwise legal activity that you are arbitrarily banning them for based on what? The idea that he might have had inside information, right? That's why we do this, right? Because someone might be using information they're getting inside the team facility. I don't think if Jamison Williams decided to bet on the Yankees tonight that Jamison Williams has any idea when he's inside the team bus about what's going on with the New York Yankees. It's insane. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right. We close out the week. I don't know why I did the Stephen A voice. It's always, always grab bag. Uh, with Ari's grab bag. Ari had a ton of stories that hit the cutting room floor uh, Monday through Thursday, Candy. So first, his observation off a JVT tweet that John Von Tobel was on vacation and that he had never tried sauerkraut before. This was on the heels of JVT with the declaration about three years ago that he had never had pumpernickel bread. Okay. Thoughts on sauerkraut at, uh, what is he, like 37 now? Um, at, a, at an advanced age, never having had sauerkraut. So JVT is a, is a Vegas kid, and, and I moved to Vegas as a kid, and I understand that growing up in Vegas as a kid, you're not always exposed to a lot of what's out there in the big world. It's just not, Stop. they don't have it at Chili's. Not a lot of crowd at Chili's. Not a lot of crowd at the Applebee's, right? Like, they they don't, you know, would you like white wheat sourdough or what what in the hell is pumpernickel? Like, like you and I, Steve, we we grew up eating the gabagool. We got, we had the gabagool. We could have it on pumpernickel, although that would be disgusting. Uh, I'm (laughs) fine with it. And I'm glad that he went out there and branched out and had a little sauerkraut and did it at the best place possible to try your first sauerkraut of your life. Oracle Park in San Francisco. Um, Fact is, uh, sauerkraut is everywhere at grocery stores. Um, I, you have to have a good, you know, good strong stomach uh, to try the sauerkraut that may have been sitting there for three or four days at a convenience store. Will I do that? Of course I will. Yes, that would happen along with onions that have been sitting out and probably have bugs all over them. Um, On the pumpernickel thing, he does have a case because. 
You know, the more I think about it, I don't go shopping for pumpernickel. But if you look around grocery stores, I don't know if all of them have it. I think you may have to go to more of a specialty area or, you know, like, um, well, you know what? I'll give them a shout out. And this is not a dig. Uh, there are multiple Smiths that I will hit. And some are in areas where the back by the meat smells. And some are in areas where they're really clean and quite positively fragrant. Um, the uh, positive fragrance store might have the pumpernickel. The smelly store in the back might not. And that's well, not fair. Cofield, we both know about Big Sourdough. Big Sourdough is paying to keep pumpernickel off the shelves. I think it's been it the is. Case forever. I think you're it's on. It's been something. the case forever. Speaking of Smiths, it's been the case forever. Have you ever? Have you ever? It's been the case I, I know. I know the answer to the question already, yeah. but I'm going to ask it. Yes. Have you ever experienced that little shadowy clearance rack back by the bathrooms? It's always like directly it. across from the bathrooms, and it always has like 75 percent off strawberry magic shell or something yep. equally strange. Like you don't even know it's in the store normally, and you're like, "Wow, they, where do they bring this from?" Yes, the choices are crazy. Do I buy some stuff and try it uh, from time to time? But generally, the choices are not great. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there. I don't understand when we get comments like this on our notes in Ari's grab bag. Assuming neither of you, and he was talking about myself and Big Mac on Monday, watch the bear. But the food always looks amazing. And this is a story about, uh, I guess they have an Italian beef sandwich recipe that uh, they came up with from the show. Do you know what the bear is? I'm familiar with the bear. Okay. Ari, why would you assume that Big Mac and myself aren't watching the bear? I was right because until Miles Simmons came on the show, it was not even a topic of anything. Like, I, I'm pretty sure well, I put this on Monday. Crickets. And then Miles comes in all of a sudden. Hey, we watched. Steve's already seen season one. So I had seen the Miles tweet on Friday. I'm prepping the show uh, not to pat myself me. on the back at all times. And I picked days. Um, I had watched the bear initially. Uh, I don't know, because it's season two now and it's done. But I had watched it initially, and there are times when the SO and I will watch TV and we're both going down the rabbit hole of social media, and I just didn't pay attention to it. There are a lot of shows I have to watch. I have to kind of start, kickstart. It's like a three, lot. Three, it's, not, it's not a lot. It's no, a great I mean, show. A and the thing is, and is, there is a lot of shows. The thing is, and I told the person that I was thinking of, it actually reminds me of a person in town who was a restaurateur. Um, that person was like, please don't compare me to that. But, yeah, you're kind of right, so. Uh, the Bear is 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 a it's a good show. It has a lot of really good elements in it. All joking aside, I would have assumed that you would have. I'm surprised that you didn't bring this up a while ago, just because the food element. And it's a pretty cool show. So okay, well, you you also assumed that I wasn't watching uh, Abbott Elementary, and I did watch it oh, to yeah. a decent length, but I didn't like it as much as you. Oh, How about that? That's a bummer. Did anyone else catch the the little humble brag in there about who here knows a restaurant tour? Uh, so sorry. That was very that's, impressive. That's, Oh, my. Tell me more, <laughs> Wolfgang Puck. Well, Who else do you hang out with in your spare time? I know you have more restaurateur relationships. That was not a brag. It was a brag about a, a place like The Bear, mm. which The Bear was. Uh, Carmi was running an Italian beef shop. And now in season two, they're going in a different direction. That's all I was saying. And it reminded me of someone I know. Restaurants are not easy to run, right, Candy? Your family was in the restaurant business. They are. Oh. They are there's a no, lot of day-to-day -day drama. I, I grew up in a restaurant. No, I, I grew up in uh, the, the White Horse in Mount Kisco, New York. Yes. yes. Uh, some of the finest burgers you, you will ever lay your teeth on, although it's not there anymore. Damn. Bring in Florida, Evans. Damn, damn, damn.
She does it better. I'm frustrated. I wish on a on a trip east I could go to the White Horse. So, but you get it, right? There's there's problems on, there's problems all the time. There's equipment problems. There's freaking staffing problems. There's health department problems. There's supply problems. It's a hell of a business. It's yeah, it's it's dangerous, dude. Like I my, couldn't do it. My mom, my mom managed the restaurant, but she was the short order cook. She was the bartender. She was it's a whole lot of things along the road. Wow, what a show today! The vast booking crew brought in Miley Schuyler, who. Uh, now that I know she's a bartender and a competitive eater, I will have to go track down her bar. That was a wonderful interview. We'll have that in the entire show up at LVSportsNetwork.com. A bunch of videos tonight. We're doing a lot more videos on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok, and we'll do best of over the weekend. Candy, great job, man. Great job on short notice. We appreciate it. All will, right, buddy. I will not see you before uh, 4th of July passes, so have a great holiday weekend. Ari, great job all week. Sorry we didn't get to all of the Ari grab bag. We'll see you, everybody. Be safe. Don't put your face over the fireworks. Light and leave. Light and leave.